So this is another old message based on Acts chapter 27. It's called Save Everyone. Save Everyone based on Acts 27. It's kind of cliche, but imagine you're in a burning building and you can save one thing. What would you save? Just one thing? Your cat? Your dog? Many of you would take your phone. You see that at fire drills. But today we're going to see how the Apostle Paul wouldn't take one thing. If Paul was in the building, he wouldn't leave. He would try to put out the fire, I think, because he would try to save everyone. Here in Acts 27, it's a ship, not a burning building. It's a storm, not a fire. But in the end, God saves everyone, not just Paul. But because of Paul, God saves everyone. Three points from Acts chapter 27. Everyone is on board except for Paul. Everyone is in trouble, including Paul. Everyone is saved because of Paul. Let's begin with verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Paul is a prisoner, along with some other prisoners, and he is being transported to Italy. He is not in charge. He has no control. But verse 2, he has friends. Verse 2, we boarded a ship from Adramitium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Luke is with Paul, the we in verse 2. So is Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, an old friend from Acts 20 verse 4, also Colossians 4.10 and Philemon 1.24. Meaning, this is a good start. Paul's got his buddies. He makes friends with Julius, verse 3, and more friends bring him sandwiches from Sidon. So, thank God for the ship. For these friends, Paul would have prayed at the start of his journey. Except that's not what he says. In verse 10, he says, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. We are going to die. That's what Paul is saying turn back. And he says this because of verse 7, we had difficulty arriving off Cnidus. The wind did not allow us to hold our course. Verse 8, we moved with difficulty. And verse 9, sailing had already become dangerous. So, when he says, I see this is going to be disastrous, it wasn't some special insight from God. This was obvious from verse 9. By now, it was after the fast. Referring to Yom Kippur, a festival in October, because by November, every sailor knew it was dangerous to sail out to sea. The wind, the timing, the delays, verses 7, 8, and 9. 
were all saying the same thing. Paul was saying in verse 10, "We should turn back now." But verse 11, the centurion did not listen to Paul. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. The majority decided that we should sail on. First thing we see, everyone is on board, except for Paul. Of all people, Paul should have been the most eager to sail to Italy. He's on mission, verse 24. You must stand trial before Caesar. God says, he's going the distance. But Paul takes one look at the BBC weather report and goes, nope, bad idea. The boldest, riskiest person in the room was the most sensible person in the room, the most level-headed. You think of firemen whose job is to run into burning buildings. They're the same people who warn us about toasters and fire alarms. They take huge risks, but not unnecessary risks. That takes courage too. Paul was disagreeing with the captain, the pilot, the centurion. He was a prisoner. What does he know about sailing? But Paul is not saying, I'm right, you're wrong. He's saying, you don't want to hear this, but as a friend, I have to tell you, this is bad. And I think you know this is a bad move. That takes courage. That takes love. You're sounding like the bad guy in the room. Everyone else is saying, go for it. But you're saying, slow down. Yet when no one else is willing to say it, when no one else is willing to hear it, that's when it's important to say the loving thing that needs to be said. It's called being a good friend. Everyone was on board except for Paul. That's our first point. But next, everyone gets into trouble, including Paul. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. They saw what they wanted, actually. But bam, verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. What happens? Verse 15, they get blown out to sea. Verse 16, the lifeboat gets blown away, almost blown away. Verse 17, they tie ropes under the ship. Verse 18, they start chucking cargo and equipment overboard until verse 20 it says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Notice Luke is saying we. We in verse 20 meaning he thought he was going to die. Possibly Paul thought he was going to die in this boat in this storm. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't die. You don't get into accidents like everyone else. It, it means you, you have a perspective, sorry, a perspective different from everyone else. God put you in that storm and God is still God. Have you ever been in a situation where everyone 
else messed up, but you're the one who's gotten into trouble? That's Paul. It's not his fault he told them to turn back. They didn't listen. Well, what can you do? Blame your friends? Blame God? No, what you can do is pray. Pray. He says in verse 21, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Okay, he does say, I told you so. But Paul also says, verse 22, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, Paul prays for them. When it says, God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you, it's God answering the prayer of Paul for all of them. Could it be that the reason why God has put you in that difficult situation with that difficult boss or that difficult friend is not so that you can condemn them, but so that you can pray for them. We know that none of us deserve salvation, but oftentimes it's the ones least deserving that need the most prayer, not the other way around. Not the most deserving, but the ones least deserving of God. God wants us to pray for. The last thing he says in verse 26 happens. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. But it's not as simple as that because what happens next is everyone freaks out the closer they are to being saved. They're seriously lost in verse 27, driven into the Adriatic Sea. But what they know is they're approaching land. They're getting close. 120 feet in verse 28, 90 feet in verse 29. They're closing in on land which sounds great, except it means it's deep enough for the ship to crash and for everyone to still drown. So, verse 29, they drop all the anchors so that the ship comes to a full stop and everyone prays for daylight. It is at this point that everyone freaks out. Uh, why do I say that? The sailors try to steal the lifeboat in verse 30. They're, they pretend they're lowering some anchors, but really they're thinking, there's just one boat. We're getting on it. We're saving ourselves. Same thing happens with the soldiers in verse 42. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from escaping. Why do they do this? Because if you are a soldier and you let them escape, you take their place. You get executed. That's why they try to execute the prisoners. Not Paul. He gets up and he says, verse 33, For the last 14 days, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. He's concerned for their stress, for their diet. You haven't eaten anything. 
Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive, literally to save yourselves. And he says, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Uh, Paul is quoting Jesus from Luke 21:18. He took bread and gave thanks to God. And everyone was very encouraged by this, and everyone ate. Paul was thinking of everyone's well-being. That's why verse 37 tells us there were 276 people. That's why Paul says in verse 31, unless those guys who are running away stay with us, those sailors, you cannot be saved. Paul is the kind of guy who's thinking of every single person in the room. Not one person is expendable. Not one person is unsavable. Because in Paul's mind, everyone needs God. Everyone needs saving, whether they want it, whether they deserve it, or not. Paul is thinking of everyone, where we often think of ourselves. How can I be saved? God, please help me. No, Paul is praying and thinking of everyone on the boat. It's interesting how in the end, it's Julian who saves Paul. Paul wants to save Julian, but Julian ends up saving Paul's life in verse 43. It says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. And what did he do? He kept them from carrying out their plan. To do that, he saved all the prisoners, not just all the prisoners just to save Paul. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. That picture of Julian saving Paul is a picture of how God saved all the people because of Paul. God says, you must stand trial before Caesar. The angel says, but it also, uh, the angel says, but it also says, God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone becomes a Christian. They were praying in verse 29, but they were not praying to God. That's just the truth. It doesn't mean God automatically saves everyone. It's something called universalism, which claims that everyone gets saved. Everyone gets to heaven in the end. No, what it means is everyone needs salvation. And Paul is the kind of guy who wants to try to get everyone across the finish line. That's why God sent him to Rome. That's why God put him on the ship. You see, God listens to guys like Paul who pray big prayers, God glorifying gospel prayers for the nations. God save Stag. God save the Chinese church. God save Balasia. Big prayers. Even if we don't pray these prayers for ourselves, God loves to answer such prayers. And I hope we do because God has answered just such a prayer right here in Acts chapter 27. So in summary, we've seen three things. Everyone is on board except for Paul. People will disagree with you, call you an idiot. But being a good friend sometimes means you have to be the bad guy. You have to say the thing that needs to be said because lives could be saved because of what you say. That's the first thing. The second thing is, 
everyone is in trouble, including Paul. This is just life. The thing is not to run away from trouble. The church is not a place to hide from the world until Jesus comes back. God put Paul on that boat, and God put Paul in that storm, and that perspective means God can take us out of the trouble He's put us in. The thing is, Paul doesn't just pray for himself. He prays for his idiot friends to be saved from that trouble, and God answers that prayer. Finally, everyone is saved because of Paul. Because of Paul, everyone tries to save themselves. You know, the sailors they try to save themselves. The soldiers try to save themselves. And the ironic thing is, they do this partly believing what Paul says about God saving them. They believe it enough to try to save themselves selfishly. But Paul doesn't do that because the gospel doesn't do that. He preaches the gospel to every single person because he wants to get everyone across that final finished line. Thing is, we're talking a lot about Paul, but the truth is, if Paul were here, he'd probably say, "I'm nobody. I'm not the main character in the story." Verse 23, he describes God as the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. The goal of salvation at the end of the day is to belong to God. It's to serve God. The only reason God saves us is for His glory. If you have a problem with that, you have a problem with that. But that's the reason for salvation. It's so that we know Jesus. It's so that we serve Him as our Lord and as our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this perspective. Of salvation, they were meant to pray for everyone. They were meant to want everyone to come into your kingdom, but to confess that only you can save, and that's why we pray. It's not our faithfulness, it's not our efforts, but rather our sinfulness and our need of you that drives us to you again and again, begging you to save not just us, but everyone we know, everyone we love. And everyone you love as well, we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. This is Acts 27. Save everyone. Shh.